That's the other problem, too. I need to get two mics and two more headphones, and then we're set. Um, okay. Well, welcome, Elder and Sister Johansson. It's good to have you on the on the show. Um, you guys are the mission leaders for the Chandler Service Mission, and uh, I used to be in the Tempe Chandler Service Mission, so before it split, but... I was bummed because I didn't. I didn't get to have you guys as mission leaders. Um, yeah. <laughs> I would have been. I, but I've heard good things. That's that's all I know from the, the missionaries. I've heard good things. Um, so, to start, what's how is being a mission leader? Was it like? I know you served as in in the Prosline mission, uh, and I don't know what type of position you served in. So I'd be curious to hear about that. But. What was it like transitioning from there to then a service mission, and how's it been? It's been how how many months have you been called and serving? Uh, we've been serving about six months. Six months. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, tell me a little bit about that. How's how's it been the past six months, and um, and and what's your experience been like so far? Okay. Yeah, we got home from the Adriatic North mission uh, the middle of February, and then we'd been home about two months. And Sister Johansson said, I wouldn't mind serving another mission, but I wish I could just stay at home. Because <laughs> we really wanted to work with the missionaries. We were hoping, you know, we'd be ward missionaries or something like that, so we could continue to work with the missionaries. And, like, after she said that, about three days later, Elder Anderson called us and said, would you like to be the mission leader? Well, didn't ask us if we'd like to be. He called us to be <laughs> service, uh, mission service mission leaders. And so we were thrilled, you know, because we get to work with missionaries again. And... Um, we initially were called as um, member and leader support, but then on with COVID, mission. on our mission. Yeah. Uh, and then when COVID hit and practically all the seniors came home from Europe, right. we fought the wave and we made it to um, Croatia with one day. <laughs> you know, they, they shut down everything the very next day after we got there. So our mission president was thrilled we, we were there and he reassigned us to be the office couple. So we got to work with a lot of the missionaries because I did all the finances. She did um, the cars and and um, hey, there you go. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> with the cars. Yeah. It's harder than you think. So she's got a lot of stories. She's got a lot of car stories. Yeah, how many uh, how many wrecked cars oh did you have to do with? Endless amount. It's it's not a matter if they're going to wreck it. It's how often and how much, how many scratches and scrapes and yeah. One of our favorite stories was. Um, we had a brand new car. Was it in Serbia or Bosnia? Which which story are you telling? Well, about the Beehive. <laughs> oh, it's brand new in that was in um, that was in Serbia. Yeah, brand new car, and we couldn't even go do it because the COVID. They wouldn't let us travel. The so the missionaries had to go and take their old car in, trade it in for the new car. Brand new car. They did it. They did a good job. First P day, they take it to a park, and they go on a hike. They come back. A huge beehive had fallen out of a tree and smashed the hood. <laughs> and I said, no, you are lying. That can't be true. That Somebody wrecked the car and you just don't want to tell me this. No, a beehive fell out of the tree, dented the hood of the it new must car. must have been like 12 or 15 pounds. It was big. <laughs> and it really wrecked. It dented the whole top of the car. And so they showed us uh, videos of them trying to get in the car because... It was swarming bees, and they couldn't get in the car. So the guy with the they stick had a big and elder. old stick, and they're trying to knock it off without getting stung and getting in the other car. So, yeah, 
It was how, true. How did a beehive? Like, where were they parked to get a beehive? Just under a tree. Just under a tree. Yeah. They they went to a park to go hike somewhere, and they parked under some. I, I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> things like that happened all the time. Just really, really bizarre. Hmm. Bizarre. But yeah, we got to work with the machines. <laughs> Sometimes we got to teach with them. Uh, yeah. We got to feed them a lot, um, and. Uh, go on service with them because they did a lot of service. You know, when we got there, five days later, they had the big earthquake in Zagreb. Hmm. And so um, yeah. our missionaries, instead of everybody else was quarantined, you weren't supposed to come out of your apartments. Yeah. Uh, the government let them go with firefighters and rock climbers and go on to chimneys. And, and if they would help with the cleanup. Or, they or said they don't have to be quarantined if they would go and help, help with, with the, the cleanup. cleanup. Oh, nice. So yeah. one of the big problems was... Uh, a lot of brick buildings there and brick chimneys were toppled over. And then they slide off a seven-story building and crush cars and kill people. Uh-huh. So they had to clear those first. And so they would, the missionaries would come and, and take it brick by brick and lower it down to the next missionaries. And then they'd take they'd it to the They'd put it in a bucket, pile. and then they'd put the bucket out the window and lower it down to the missionaries down there who would take the bricks out of the bucket, put it out on a pile in the street so that they could come clean it up. So they had this, like, bucket brigade, brigade <laughs> of bricks coming down from the top. But, and yeah. Yeah, so oh. they were working from 8 to 6 almost every day with the locals. And it's kind of nice. It turned out to be a good thing because everybody's Catholic in Croatia. And so right. anything else that's not Catholic is a cult. Yeah. So <laughs> our missionaries working hand-in-hand hand with these other young guys, they got to know them. And, and they're like, well, they hey, asked you're regular them. good guys, you yeah. know. We, they yeah. wanted to hang out after work and and get to know them and and it was just a real positive thing for for the church and as um doing the finance uh they asked well our mission president was able to uh, uh hire some cranes to, uh-huh. to donate it to to the city you know to to hire to some cranes to help with the cleanup and they really appreciated that so Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, our missionaries did a lot of service, you yeah. know, even though they're proselyting missionaries. But, you know, that always leads to good things. Right. Right. Yeah, there always seems to be a mix of both, right? Mm-hmm. Service and yeah. teaching in both missions. A lot actually. of crossover. Yeah. yeah. Across the board. So that's the thing. When we, when we got home and, and when we got called to this position, um, we would go to uh, uh, different service places and... and there's the proselyting missionaries. And so, yeah, you, a lot of crossover. Yeah. That's awesome. And is there a pretty, is there a good service mission program in Croatia or is there? There, there isn't one. There isn't one. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they haven't really no. haven't gone to that part yet. <laughs> no. I think we only had uh, two missionaries in the whole, all five countries that were actually serving missions. Oh, wow. So wow. it's not a big. <laughs> not a big. Well, that were from, from those countries. Yeah. So our mission covered five countries, okay. and there's only a couple missionaries that were called from those countries to, like, to England and different places. So which, so which countries does it cover? So, so it's Slovenia. Uh, Cro- yeah, Croatia, Slovenia, Serbia, Bosnia, Montenegro. Okay, it's kind of like the old Yugoslavia, exactly you know, communist Yugoslavia. <laughs> yeah, and then you know when the wall came down and communism kind of collapsed, then they all kind of reverted back to their regional yeah. ethnic uh, <laughs> groups. Cultures, yeah. Yeah. yeah, cultures, yeah. So, um, yeah, um, Croatia is very Catholic. Bosnia is very Muslim. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Serbia is very Orthodox. And so 
I know they're yeah. pretty small countries all next to each other. And yeah, pretty small. Yeah. You know, yeah, most yeah. of them are around 5 million, well, 5 to 6 million. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. And and is that like Western Europe considered, Eastern Europe? It's, what part is that more? It's more Central Europe, Central I guess. Europe, it's okay. not quite Eastern Europe. We're part of the Europe area. Okay. Gotcha. So, because right across, so we're, we're right, right on the Adriatic Sea. So, right across the Adriatic Sea is Italy. Okay. And then just north of us is Austria and Germany as you go oh, north. Okay. So, it's so just right. right in the middle. And so, of there's, then there's the Adriatic South, which is going further south. It's like Albania and Greece and some of those yeah. countries down there. There's so many little countries yeah. Yeah. through that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so so you went to so you went to Croatia mission, and is it the Croatia mission, and it's, that encompasses all? Of it's called it's Adriatic, Adriatic North. Adriatic North, North. Yeah. and you were just in Croatia right. specifically. Yeah. That's that where, the where the mission headquarters are. So oh, okay, yeah. Okay, is there a reason why it's in Croatia other than other places, or um, probably that's kind of where the the work started. Okay. Um, I don't know if you know Kresimir Čosić. He was a Basketball, basketball player. player. He came from Yugoslavia. <laughs> He's one of the first international basketball players. This was probably in the early 70s. Mm. And he played for BYU. Um, great <laughs> basketball player. Um, and he could have gone to the NBA, but he decided to go back home. He, he joined the church while he was at BYU. Oh, wow. He decided to go back into Yugoslavia and, and get the church started there. Awesome. And they're and like, you're going to get arrested. And this is when it was communist. Because the Yugoslavians loved him. He he led their team to the Olympic gold yeah. one year and silver another year. He was just a, a real hero. Yeah. And um, interesting story. When, when we first got there and were working in the office, we had a lady that knocked on our door and, and came in, and she was just so much in distress. And she's speaking speaking Croatian, Croatian. We're not we didn't understand understandable. One thing she said. So <laughs> we get our cell phone we call the AP and say here talk to them and so she's talking to them and then she thanks us hangs up and, and goes and so we call the AP what does she want <laughs> well she was led by the spirit to come to the mission office yeah. because she remembered Kresmer Chosik said what a great church this was and how much it helped him and uh, so this is like 30 years later 30, 40 years later those seeds are still oh. you know that have been planted or growing, and, and she ended up joining the church. She read the yeah. Book of Mormon her first year over five times. Oh, wow. Yeah. And all the standard works. And then uh, her daughter joined just, just recently, recently, about yeah. a year later. Hmm. So, yeah, just a wonderful woman. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's that's neat. It would be cool to it'd be cool to go over there and see what the church culture is. I, I went to Florida briefly, and mm-hmm. just from, like, West coast church east. to east coast is a little different it's a lot and, different yeah <laughs> different place different environment so i can't imagine when you go to like oh. europe or you know even yeah. south america different cultures it's just yeah. it's just different how they you know we had a guy come up to us and he could barely speak english he's like hey hey you're you're uh you're a cult <laughs> uh, no, we're not. <laughs> but I mean, that he wanted was, to get a Bible. Well, yeah, he wanted us to give him a Bible and but, a Book of Mormon. <laughs> but it was funny because he thought he's just excited to say he knew who we were, and we're like, he's like, you're the cult, a cult. We're like, no, we're not. <laughs> we promise. But yeah, was he like trying to be? No, he was, he, just, just was like, he was excited because he like recognized our name tags. Oh, I know who you are. 
Oh, yeah. You're that, you're that yeah, one you're cult that church. Can I get your book? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. I thought it was like he was like upset with you guys. No, no. He was really, uh, he was cute. He was a little bike guy that would take food around, and he was all excited when he saw us. So. Yeah. Well, it's funny. There was a, a man, an older man we were teaching, and he invited us to service as a mass. Oh, yeah. And we went with him, and he said, well, this one's in English, so you'll understand it. I said, great. So <laughs> we went to it, and, and he introduced us to the priest afterwards, and and uh, the priest knew all about us. He says, oh, yeah, you because do a lot of, of uh, charitable work. I know where your church is. You guys have brought wheelchairs here. I mean, it, and uh, he was very positive. Right. So about, um, and, and this is, well, about two weeks later, um, uh, Petar, that's his name, Petar, he said, yeah, my, my priest said, um, how's your friends from the United States doing? And he says, they're doing good. He says, well, be careful because they have this book called the Book of Mormon. And um, he goes, yeah, I know all about it. And then, then he goes to me, hey, can we read the Book of Mormon together? Because we were reading the Bible together. And I said, absolutely. And, and I told him, I said, I don't know why people think the Book of Mormon is so sinister. You know, all it does is testify of Christ and teach Christ's doctrine. Um, and he found that out. I, I, as we started reading, I was just cherry-picking my favorite chapters, you know, like Alma 32, where we talk about faith, and, and um, you know, other ones uh, about, you know, like Second Nephi 2, you know. Yeah. Um, and he was just, like, so impressed with it. He, he loved it. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, interestingly enough, when I, when I was reading your form, you, you mentioned this, that you took a class in, mm-hmm. was it Institute? Was it BYU? It's BYU was it BYU okay. religion class, yeah. And, and you said that you studied the Book of Mormon and that was a game changer for you yeah. because it, it changed how you viewed reading the scriptures mm-hmm. um, personally and, and right. taking that in personally. So what was that? Because I know I, you know, the few times I've heard you give talks or even like that, you talk about the Book of Mormon. So I know you have a passion for it and, and yeah. a, a belief in it. So mm-hmm. um, could you share sure. what that was in that experience? Yeah, so, so growing up, you know, for me as a teenager, reading the scriptures was one of the most boring things you could do in, in my <laughs> mind, right? And it was because I was reading it like it was a history book. I'm like, well, what's this got to do with me? Right. Well, so I took this Book of Mormon religion class my freshman year, Zed Painterger, and, and he was the teacher. And I've never seen anybody so excited about the Book of Mormon. He would almost hyperventilate as he talked Actually, about the Book of Mormon. I think that's just his voice. He it has a be. really high voice. He, he talks high, like high this. High voice. <laughs> but he's just so passionate about it. How can anybody be this passionate about the scriptures, you know? And he says, I'm not going to test you on history questions, you know, like what year was Dates, this or, yeah. or names. He says, what I want you to do is for each reading assignment, just find five scriptures that jump out at you yeah. and write how you can apply it in your life, in your notebook. And that was basically the class. Yeah. And so for the first time, it's like, oh, look at these wonderful things I'm learning, how I can <laughs> apply it in my life. And, and it just opened up. Yeah. You know, it's, it's awesome. Wow. And how is that? You know, because I think a lot of people feel that way about the scriptures where, because um, the one thing I had to realize about too, and this I think opened my eyes to the whole experience was that it, it's people writing about it after the fact. You know, they're not like, today I happens. went through and, uh, <laughs> you know, Layman was a jerk, you know. <laughs> no, it's not like that. He's going back and recounting the experience. And so when you're reading that, it's almost like you have to use a little bit more of your imagination, put yourself in the scriptures rather than just going, oh, yep, okay, this happened, this happened, this happened. So 
Um, so I think a lot of people feel that way where it's like, oh, the scripture is boring. Um, so how has that helped you um, in your life once you realize that it's not just a history book, it's, you know, it's something you can pull from it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just because you see it's, it, and it's all about families, right? It's mm-hmm. Lehi's family, and it's Alma's family, and it's Mormon's family. It's, it's just, you know, it's, it's generation after generation teaching about the atonement and teaching about faith and teaching about repentance and, and keeping the commandments, and that's what brings joy. And so um, it's just, I, it's like Joseph Smith said, you know, uh, Book of Mormon, if, if, uh, you know, if, if a man will, the Book of Mormon is the most correct book of any book on earth and the keystone of our religion, and if a uh, man will get near to God by abiding by its precepts and by any other book. And, and I found that's true, you know, it just drew me closer to Christ and and closer to God because I don't think there's any scripture or book that teaches the atonement of Christ better than the Book of Mormon. And that's what brings light, you know, as Mormon talks about that, you know, that it brings light and and joy and brings all the fruits of the Spirit, love, peace, and joy. Um, So, yeah, it's, it was game changer for me. (laughs) And then, then, you know, as a missionary, then you see that um, happen on your mission. You know, right. you see how people that are in darkness come into the light yeah. as, as they start to learn about the gospel and, and read the Book of Mormon. One experience that just was really clear um, was when I first started, we were teaching, man, it wasn't even in my area. I, I went on exchanges with another elder. And we we're going to teach him about the commandments. Mm. And this guy was so dark, and so sacrilegious. He was just bragging, "Oh yeah, I've broken all the commandments." And he was just laughing about it. And, and, and after we got done, it just a bad feeling. And, and yeah. I, I said to Elder Harris, "I said, well, why are you teaching him? You know, oh, it's okay. He's a good guy." I'm like, oh, I didn't see it, you know. <laughs> and I never thought about it, you know, because it wasn't my area, and you know, I just kind of brushed it off. Well, at the end of my mission, I'm in a total different area, clear up north. Um, we're going to this tiny little branch that only has a few members, maybe 17 at the most. And, and somebody in the branch presidency invited us over for, for dinner afterwards. Really good guy, just full of light and happiness. And we're sitting there eating, and, and he goes, do you know Elder Harris? And I go, yeah. He says, he baptized me back in Edmonton. And, and then I realize it's the same guy. It's the same guy that I had written off thinking this guy is never going to get baptized. Wow. And he had changed so much in two years. It was just like, okay, now I really get the atonement. I see <laughs> how it just totally changes your countenance and your happiness and your life. And um, so I was glad the Lord gave me that experience. Yeah. So it was kind of like a real live application of all the things you'd study in the mm-hmm. in the Book of Mormon. You saw the atonement working yeah. and read about it, but then you see it in real action right. in a drastic way. Yeah. So what would be and this is this I'm curious from both of you on, on this one, what would be your advice? Because obviously you guys have had children that served missions, have had successful lives, gone married, had children. Um, what would be your advice to teenagers, young adults, people in that age range, or even even across the board, um, how do they start getting into the scriptures, um, getting interested in it, but then applying and starting to 
implement things in their lives that are going to help them, um, similar to what you have done. Um, well, we know, I can tell you what worked for our family, and yeah. everybody's different, but we started when they were very little reading the scriptures every day together whether it was morning or night whatever worked at that time depending on their ages but we would read every day and to the point where it was quite miserable at first (laughs) because (laughs) the older kids that can read and then our youngest couldn't read and they're like you know just let him try to read a verse and our other brothers going oh my gosh this is horrible <laughs> but we did it you know and we and we kept on and that to me i think that has made all the difference in the world because they learn the language of the scriptures yeah. and it and it gets in their hearts yeah and then then when they're you know they they know where to look when things happen because we've always done that we've always talked about the scriptures we read the scriptures and there's a power there's a real power when you read the scriptures for me it's the feelings you know, yeah. I, I get a really strong feeling when I read the Book of Mormon, and I need that. So for me, it was the the feeling, the blessings of the Spirit, yeah. and that blessed our children. I I don't see any greater blessing than that than having that feeling. You know, have touch your kids' hearts yeah. from a very early age, and now they're doing it with their kids, reading every day and right. praying. The those two things I think uh, made all the difference. She kept reading one scripture in particular, I think it's King Benjamin he said, teach your children not to fight and quarrel. I did and mention that scripture she, quite a lot. go back to that and, and remind them. And there was a lot of really quarreling. It, yeah. it really helped because they're, yeah. they're learning true doctrine right. and that's what Boy K. Packer said you know, true doctrine understood changes behavior yeah. and so you just teach them that's, that's not acceptable behavior, this is what the Lord teaches, let's try and live that and but you, you'll be happier. You do have to like... Batteries. Okay, we're back on. Um, so we were talking about how um, raising kids and how <laughs> reading the scriptures and doing that on a consistent basis really helped. Mm-hmm. I think you mentioned that you read the one with King Benjamin. Um, so, yeah, tell me a little bit more about that experience with the well, consistency. I, I was just thinking that, that with kids it's hard because he's always at work and so the times that you need to do all these things you can't rely on well wait till your dad gets home to teach you <laughs> no you that's why I needed to have the Book of Mormon in my life so I'd have the spirit so I could be directed on what my right. kids needed and there was times where um, like we were having trouble getting ready for church as always with four little kids just running in opposite directions and I thought oh this is so chaotic and I'm screaming get in the car and then we get in the car and everyone has this terrible feeling I thought oh, okay we gotta not do that right. and so you get the impression just say a prayer before you leave the house no matter what time it is you know because we're going to be late it doesn't matter we're going to pray before we get in the car so we have a good feeling as we go to church right. so we'll actually made a huge difference you know playing church music during Sunday when we're running around all these little things that that come from the spirit that help you you know and and there was other times, like, um, I was going through McDonald's line to get something, and my son was with me, and he was little. And I had this impression, tell him or ask him about, would he, uh, what, what did I Maybe say? Would yeah, I said, you know what, I just feel like I really wanted to tell you that it's really important that you always live the word of wisdom. Will you promise me that you'll really try to always, and he was little, you know, not very old. And he said, yeah, Mom, yeah. And later he told me, that was so important 
to him at that time because just like a year later, he had all this pressure from friends and stuff. And I thought, wow. you really, as a parent, you really have to live by the Spirit because they know what, you know, yeah. The Spirit knows what's going to happen and what's going on, and He will give you the impressions. And so for me, reading the Book of Mormon every day and having the Spirit with me is so key to know what to do. And that that's still the case. Right. I, if I don't read it, I'm not I'm not getting those inspirations of who needs help, who what what do I need to do. So that was huge. It was a huge part of it. Yeah. Our life. Other Christopherson came to our state conference, um, and. One of the things I remembered very distinctly, he said, oh, yeah. I think the most important thing I did as a father for my children, I'm like, I'm going to write this down, <laughs> is read the Book of Mormon with them. Yeah. And I thought, that's true. I, I had that same experience. And 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 that's because, um, it's what Nephi said, we teach of Christ, we talk of Christ, we rejoice in Christ, and we write according to our prophecies. And why? That our children may know to what source they may look for remission of their sins. They know who to look to. They know to look to Jesus Christ, and um, so yeah, that's that was key for them. They they all had strong testimonies of the Book of Mormon of Christ, and you know they served missions and got all married got in the temple, temple and yeah. and we we're very happy um, that that they chose to do that. That's awesome. Well, and I think I think one of the biggest things, at least from what I'm hearing, is the consistency, right? Yeah. Um, I, I can't remember what it, where it was. Actually, I do. It was at church. <laughs> and um, I can't remember who said it, though. That's what I meant. And uh, But they were talking about, uh, I don't know, and I'm not sure how it even came up. I, I must have been late to class or something. But they were talking about, um, it, was, it was like an elder's quorum. So I, I, I don't know. I don't have kids. I didn't have kids at the time. I don't have kids now. <laughs> um, but the people who were talking did have young kids. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they were just starting out. And the conversation came up one one. One of the guys there mentioned how, you know, he's like, my little daughters, you know, I just don't want them, they, they're, when it comes to Sunday and going to church, they'll, they'll you know, throw a fit or they don't want to go or whatever it is, right? I'm mm-hmm. sure you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're familiar with that. And he said, and I don't know if I should force them because I don't want them to, like, hate me later in life for forcing them to go to church. And I think the biggest, you know, and I think you guys said it best, you know, just every day consistently find ways to invite the Spirit in. And then just making sure it happened, regardless of if there was fighting or if there was, you know, bickering or didn't want to do this or one person read too slow and let's (laughs) hurry up. I got to get to bed, you know, whatever it is. Right. Um, You know, making sure that it was the priority and it happened. And I know for me, at least, as I've gotten older in my family, because it was always a consistency, a consistent thing there, when life has thrown challenges or difficulties and things have happened I've never questioned going oh I turned my back on that you know I've always I may have gone frustrated but I always turned back towards you know the savior and the scriptures because you knew where to look exactly (laughs) and the thought of getting rid of that when it's been such a pillar of consistency in my life it's not even a question because it's always been there and so I think if you build that from a young age right and it's it's always been there it's much harder to even think about getting rid of it because you've only known it um well, that's a good point was that he said he didn't want to force his little girls. Well, if you go every single Sunday, there's not a question of, oh, are we going? Right. You know, it's it's not a fight. Yeah. If you, the the fight is when you don't go. Yeah. And you let your children know. Yeah, very oh, consistent. 
Right. Maybe some Sundays we do go, some we don't. No, if 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 you tell the kids from the start, we always go. I yeah. think I think think that's what I said. Oh no, we always go. Right. There's no. <laughs> and it's just what we do. It is. It's right. what we do. And you know, when they get to be teenagers, they can choose for themselves. But from an early age, we always go. Right. And I think that's such that's so applicable to everything in life, though. Yeah. You know, that's just one thing. But you know, if if doing service or being kind and loving or you know. Being a gentleman or being, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know what, gentle lady? I don't know. Whatever it is, right? <laughs> if that's just how, what you do, you know, it becomes, it's a habit that you build from the very beginning. So, no, I think that's spot on. That's, it's just like the scripture says, you know, we, what is it? As for me and my house, we serve, we serve the Lord. And I think that's the same premise. Whatever you choose to do, you just do, you're all in. We chose to keep the commandments, so we're all in. You know, we're not wishy-washy. Just that's what we choose to do, and I don't know. I feel like that way. I feel like you have to be all in. All in. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think that's that's what leads to the ultimate success is being that all-in attitude. Um, I was just going to mention another thing that really solidified my testimony. The Book of Mormon was on my mission because. Fortunately, I got sent to a place that was, well, I was in Canada, so <laughs> it was like more of a melting pot in the late 70s in the United States. So I could knock on five different doors and talk to five different nationalities. And I taught almost every religion. I taught Jewish people, Muslim, taught people from Iraq, Iran, South America, wow. um, all the British Commonwealth countries, um, and and all different Christians, you know. And, and so, but the thing was, it was like, would teach somebody Jewish. They had the Old Testament, but they didn't accept Christ or the New Testament. So yeah. that's kind of where their light knowledge ended. Right, right. And then I'm teaching people who are Christian that have both, you know, the Old Testament, New Testament. And they have more light knowledge, and they're happy with that, but they reject the Book of Mormon. But then I look, oh, look at all the words of Christ and doctrine of Christ we have in the Book of Mormon, in the Doctrine and Covenants, in the Pearl of Great Price, <laughs> and in prophets, modern-day prophets. I'm like... Nobody has as much light and knowledge as we do. Right. And I could just see that so clearly, and I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's what people see, right? When they, mm-hmm. when, when they see missionaries out or our church out and about, they talk about that light. Mm-hmm. And it really is that knowledge and power mm-hmm. of knowing the mm-hmm. truthfulness of the gospel. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I read the book, because I had always, always struggled with reading my scriptures, too, right? It's like one of those things. Um, but then... When I went to the Pro MTC, I just was like, I'm going to read it, you know. <laughs> so I went through and read it, and it really opened my eyes and helped me understand. I always knew kind of the, the basic stories, right? You watch the, the little films yeah, the, or whatever, yeah, right? The, the things videos. that help you remember. But um, <laughs> the one that I hadn't really ever focused on was D&C. Just never really, even in seminary, I kind of, you know, I, I didn't lie that I read it, but I probably glazed over, you know, <laughs> listened to them really reading. rapidly, started yeah. running through them. Um, <laughs> And uh, and and I just never really had gone much out of it. But of late, I've been reading, trying to read more of it. And there's a lot of power to those mm-hmm. to what's written there as well. And I, I've been amazed by that um, and, and the stories that are, are shared and examples and experiences um, of whether it's the early saints or Joseph Smith or, or whatever, whatever it may be. Um, but I was just really surprised by that. Uh, so... What's one piece of advice, because we're, we're getting near the end here, um, one piece of advice, because as mission leaders and then serving as 
you know, missionaries in Croatia. I guess that's backwards. But either way, you serve, <laughs> serve as mission leaders, missionaries in Croatia, parents, state president, um, missionaries, you know, all the above, right? Um, what's one piece of advice? I know that's probably really hard, but what's one piece of advice you'd like to share with um, any age group, you know? What's one piece of advice? Should we say it together? Read the book, Marvin. Every day, <laughs> every, day, every, day every, every day, every day. Yeah, This is his philosophy. Well, I learned that from Elder Pearson. That was one of his conference talks. Yeah. You know, he, he talked about standing by the tree. Yeah. You know, and he said, just read the Book of Mormon every day, every day, every day. And you see that from the prophets. You see them talk about that. President Monson, what was his last conference Very talk? Very last talk. It was be kind and read the Book of Mormon. <laughs> and then awesome. President Nelson picked up on that. You know, he, he followed the prophets. Advice. I'm sure he was doing it already, <laughs> but he just kind of took it to a new level, and he, he reiterated that. And, and every prophet does. There's, there's power in that. And it's like Sister Johansson said, the power comes because when you read it and you're thinking about Christ and you're talking about Christ, and it, it brings the Spirit. Yeah. And so that's the key. If you can have the Spirit in your life, it's going to make you help you have make better decisions and choices and bring things to your, your mind to, to help others. And, um, yeah, so for me, the, the best way to keep the Spirit in your life and the world out of your life is number one, read the Book of Mormon. That gets you started. That's kind of jump-starting your day, <laughs> right? But then every Sunday, you know, you go to church. You, you attend your sacrament meetings. You partake of the sacrament. And you renew that covenant you made with Christ. And you think about him. If, if you just do those couple things, it's hard to get off track. Right. You know? It's true. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate you guys coming, sitting down. Let me interview, ask these questions, and, <laughs> and kind of, you know, get a deeper understanding of what you guys have done in your life and, and the lessons that you've learned. So I know I've learned a lot, um, and I know people listening are going to learn a lot too. And I love the fact that we focused on the book more because there is true power there and uh, in the written word that we can constantly be pulling things out of no matter what age or what time we're reading it. So um, we'll have to have you back on when we finally get two mics and two headphones. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks.